Good morning, folks, and, and God bless you all. It's, it's so good to see you. It's, so, it's a blessing to be back in Good Hope in Cloquet. It really just feels wonderful to be here. We were here a few weeks ago, and you guys, you just blessed our socks off. You, uh, you just blew us away. We just felt so loved, so honored, just so many people that were going to support us in Japan and pray for us and, and get behind us. It, uh, we were very blessed. It was like a moment. We were like, wow, wow, wow. Okay, good hope is just something incredible. So thank you guys so, so much. And thank you so, so much for having us back. It's just, it's just an honor to be here and to form deeper relationships and spend more time with you. Can I tell you like the coolest, coolest thing about being a missionary itinerating? Okay, this is a secret that don't, people don't tell you. It's really, really great because you only have to preach one sermon every single week. And, and it's great too because you, you practice it. A, and if you don't have it nailed by like a few weeks, you're doing something wrong, right? So here's the problem. I'm now walking into a church and I have to now preach a different sermon. And that's, that's a little tough. I'm feeling a little judged because everyone's like, that was so good. Leslie, we're so good to have you. We're so blessed. And if I come back and I bomb it this week, you're going to be a little like, dude, what do we get all excited for? Dude, like he's milking this one sermon dry. You know, he's kind of a one-trick pony, this guy. So, yeah, feeling a little pressured, feeling a little judged right now. And, and that's just this thing that we do, right? We often just feel in this constant state of being judged. And it's weird because I'm in this situation where I'm very loved. I'm very blessed. But somewhere along the line, I think all of us have learned to equate that our love is based on being judged by our performance. Where we have to constantly be aware of all the things that we're doing, feeling like, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? That the love of my family, the love of my friends, the love of the church is often judged by my performance. And the world does teach us this. We get this bad idea into our heads that if I fail, I'm going to fail to be loved. If I fail, I'm going to have absolutely no value. And this is particularly hard for me, brothers and sisters, because I fail. I, I, mean, I mean, I fail big, big time. Like, like on my eighth grade report card, one teacher wrote, there's always money in selling organs. <laughs> wow, you know, wh where do I go from there? Uh, my, my guidance counselor when I was graduating high school came up and said, ah, you know, Stitt, you're a nice boy, but uh, there's no jobs for being a professional nice person. Well, joke's on him. I became a pastor, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, and it's hard. People, people do judge you, and, this is, and it, it sits on you, and it's, it, it can be so heavy. <laughs> I walked into Walmart the other day, and the greeter said to me, you got a stain on your shirt. If there's one place where you don't want to be judged for how you dress and how you look, I thought it was Walmart, guys. I thought we were in a no-judgment zone here, okay? That was heavy. That, that was harsh, okay? Um, but but it, it is tough. It is tough. We do walk in a world where, where we judge for our appearance and judge for our bank balance and judge for all these things. Sometimes we get judged at church. Sometimes there's this heaviness to feel like you've got to be this super performing Christian who, who knows the lingo and does the acts. And, and there's sermons that are just so weighty on you. are like, I'm just not good enough. And, and it's so heavy and it's so weighty. And, 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 and it can be so crushing. But here's what I need us to do today. And this is all I want to say today. God loves you. 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 And we got to cast off all this weight and all this junk and all this judgment and all this nonsense just to step into this one beautiful, glorious reality. God loves me. 
because I was not raised in a Christian household or anything like that. They're very kind of nominally, occasionally went to church, you slept through it. And um, I was like, I was 15, 15 years old, and I was doing all kinds of bad stuff, very naughty boy, and I got kicked out of youth group for hitting on all the girls and things like that. And um, I was back in England, I was living in Ireland at the time, and a friend of mine said, oh, you gotta come. We have like got into this boarding school, we've got this amazing band, there's gonna be so much good stuff there, you need to come and check this out. So in my mind, I'm thinking, what? They've broken into a boarding school, they've got this crazy like sick 90s rock band, and they've got drink and drugs and all kinds of good stuff. I am so there. He lied to me. This Christian lied to me. He had legally rented a boarding school. It was a Christian worship band, and they had Diet Coke and chips was well, the good stuff that they were bringing. I was deceived. And I remember getting there, out in the middle of nowhere, being so angry that I was like lied to, sitting in a Christian worship thing when I'm supposed to be partying. And I'm just, just, just giving out and complaining. And as the worship was sung, and the Spirit of God started to move, I started to become aware there's something in this room, something I've never felt before. And I, I just, you know, when they were singing that song, you know, he came from heaven to earth to, is that old 90s one? That was a good one. And I just felt God knocking on my heart. I'm going to come in. May I come in? No, no, no. Don't want to be here. Don't want to be here. Christians are weird. Christians are weird. Don't want to be here. And then it just kept going. Can I come in? And I remember just to my spirit, just saying to myself, okay, but just a little bit. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just flow into my heart and just got rushed over by this wave of joy, a wave of love, of love, of love. And it was overwhelming. And I'm here, the kid who doesn't want to be here, on the floor, just so confused, so overwhelmed, and so not knowing what to do, that I ran out of the building, and I ran out in the pouring rain. And I remember it was July 6th, and it was, pour and it was dark outside. I was in a concrete basketball court, and here I am. I'm standing in the rain, overwhelmed by the love of God. I didn't know who God was. I couldn't tell you anything about God, but I remember him going through moments in my life where I was at my lowest, and I was at my nastiness, and I just felt him being there, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I'm just crying, and I'm not like, you know, nice churchy little tear. I'm like ugly crying, <laughs> like, Jesus and I'm just overwhelmed and I walked away saying I don't know who you are I don't know anything about you but I know I want to spend the rest of my life getting to know more about you that night I could tell you two things that I didn't know before there is a God and he loves me and that was it and this wild powerful glorious thing that said whatever else had happened God loves me and I just want to share one of the coolest weirdest love stories in the Bible so we're going to go into Hosea we're going to start in verse 1 so let's talk a little bit about Hosea. Who is Hosea? Well, Hosea is like the holy guy of his time. He is like number one preacher. He's like 6th century BC Billy Graham. He is like pastor. He is prophet. He's bringing the thunder. He hangs out with Isaiah. 
Like, how many of you would like, that, that would be cool, like, hanging out, getting coffee with Isaiah? This would be so cool. And there's this history written about him that he was really good to people, visited them when they were sick, helped them out. He was just a holy man of God, so in tune with the Spirit of God. And, and God loved Hosea, and Hosea loved God, and it was wonderful. The name Hosea, it's, it's the same name as Joshua or Jesus, which means salvation. Woo! The dude's even named Salvation. Yeah, I mean, that's a holy brother right now. Pastor Salvation in the house. You want to hear that guy preach, you know? Just, this is a cool guy. He's got so much value in the world. The world just looked at him and said, boom, that's how it's supposed to be. Hosea is fantastic. And so let's read a little bit about the life of Hosea, starting in Hosea verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Berai, during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joshua, king of Israel, Hosea. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said, go and marry a promiscuous woman. Weirdest biblical command ever, all right? This is like, whoa, whoa, okay, are we still in the Bible? Because we, we just went from like History Channel to TMZ right there, all right? God, you have just got my attention. All right, this is, this is a crazy, crazy thing. It's, it's the same word as prostitute, basically. So God is like, the first commandment of this Bible is go out there and marry a prostitute. And, and go have some children with her for like an adulterous wife. Uh, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Not since God explained circumcision to Abraham has a servant of God been more confused about a commandment. This is a moment, right? He would have been so freaked out because this is this holy man of God being told to go out there and marry someone who's kind of unworthy of him. She is unworthy to be married to this great man of God. But I, I gotta tell you, I would love to have been there for this Hosea God conversation. Like, I really would have loved to, like, watch this interaction with Hosea and God. Can you just imagine, you know, God's like, go and marry a prostitute. I say, what now, God? Um, I mean, you're God, so I guess that's, that's going to be a thing. We'll go do that. Um, I mean, is it one of those, like, prostitutes that, hey, just ha had a really bad life and fell into a bad crowd, but just needs a second chance and she's going to turn her life around? Um, no, it's, it's more one of those prostitutes who likes to party really hard with dangerous people and doesn't want to work. Okay, yeah, um, all right. Um, but hey, it, I mean, my wife, is she going to be really good looking? I mean, that's, that's going to be good looking. Wife's got to be a good thing, right? And I don't mean to judge, but it says her name is, is uh, Gomer, uh, daughter of Dibleam. And, and that name means double-layered cake. I don't know what that means, but I would say if someone says you look like a double-layered cake prostitute, it's not a compliment. Any ladies here named Gomer? Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> I mean, Gomer's kind of the name you expect someone to say, yeah, this is my sister Gomer, and she also my cousin. Like, Gomer's not a selling name, all right? This is, this is tough to get around. So poor old Jose is like, oh, okay, what, what is going on in this situation, God? Uh, uh, where do we go from here? Okay, well, that's okay, because maybe we'll, like, have some kids, and kids can be awesome. I love kids. But then it says in Hosea 2.4, I will not show my love to her children, because they're the children of adultery. Her mother was unfaithful. She conceived them in disgrace, uh, and she said, I'm going to go after other lovers who are going to give me food and drink and oil and stuff. 
okay, so they're not my kids. I'm going to have to be raising another guy's kids. Well, this is just going fantastic. But hey, it's okay. Kids are amazing. You know, it doesn't matter. That's, we're going to love them all the same. But they're going to be great kids, right? That's, that's not going to be a problem. Well, in Hosea uh, 1.4, it says that then the Lord said to Hosea to call one of your kids uh, Jezreel. Because I'm going to punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel and put an end to the kingdom of Israel. Okay, so kid number one is called Jezreel, named after a massacre of where a bunch of people died. It would be like naming a kid 9-11. This, this is, we got some problems here. And said, so um, in that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again, gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, call her lo ruhamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer love Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I'll show love to Judah. I'm going to save those guys, not by bow or by sword or by battle or horses or horsemen. But I, the Lord God, will save them. After they, she had weaned, lo rumana, um, Gomer had another son. The Lord said, call him lo ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. So we got kids called massacre, not loved, and not my people. And, and it's a mess. It's a total wreck of a family. It says in, in Hosea 2, verse 5, the mother had been unfaithful, conceived them in disgrace, but she said, I'm going to go back to my lovers, and they're going to give me some food and some water and some wool and some linen, some olive oil, and my drink. But God said, I'm going to block her path. I'm going to make her life difficult. I'm going to wall her so that she cannot find her way. And then she's, she's going to keep going around chasing after lovers here, there, and everywhere. She's going to look for them, but she's not going to find them. And she'll say, after getting in a whole bunch a mess. Well, I'll just go back to Hosea. I'll just go back to my husband, you know, because he'll sort me out and, you know, he'll take me back. I'll be better off then when I go back to, to him. Um, but she's not going to acknowledge that he he's looks after her, the one who gave her grain and wine and oil and lavished on her that she just gives away to pagans, uses for bail. So Gomer is this kind of person who, when she wants money, she just goes out there, hooks up with a bunch of different guys, gets herself in a complete mess, and then Good old dumb Hosea is always going to take her back. He'll always bail her out until she wants to go out again. I mean, think of Hosea here. God has asked his people to do some really weird things. But, I mean, this takes the double-layer cake, right? This is miserable. Everything about this situation stinks. She is not worthy to even be married to this guy. You know, Hosea's got this life and vision for himself. Well, I want to be a great preacher. I want to do amazing things for God. I want to have a great family. But now, God, I'm in this mess because I've got to deal with her debts and her drama and her horribleness. And every night now, all I have to do is grab these kids that aren't even my kids and are bratty kids. I've got to drag them from brothel to brothel, and I've got to argue with horrible pimps so that I can just talk to my wife and bail her out of her mess. My life is miserable. This is horrible. I don't want this anymore. And, and everyone's staring at me. I thought he was supposed to be a holy man. Can you believe he's married to a woman like that? And the stares and the judgment and the misery. This isn't my mess, God. And then it was a total disaster. Gomer goes way too far, and she gets herself in a massive debt, probably from gambling and partying and just nasty stuff. And it becomes so big that she ends up getting sold into slavery. You just got to think of this moment where Hosea's friends come over and say, hey, buddy, I um, need to let you know, uh, Gomer was taken into slavery the other night. And Hosea's like, come on, yes, that is brilliant. Oh, yes, she is gone. 
not all. Well, her uppance has come. Can't say I didn't warn her. It feels good to be right in marriage. All right, this is so good. Oh, man, I feel free right now. I feel so free. I don't have to worry. I don't, she's not going to pit me up for more money. I don't have to deal with her mess anymore. No one judging me and giving me ugly looks. Oh, tonight I am going on Christian Mingle, and I am just going to find a nice girl with a, a, a normal name. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get a Sarah or a Tiffany, and I'm going to have some normal kids. They are Jack and Mary. These are going to be normal, normal kids right now. Oh, man, I am just so happy. This feels so good. And his friends are excited. Like, yeah, we're happy for you, Hosea. Man, you finally got us. This is great. And, and in, in the middle of all this celebrating, something, something kind of horrible starts to happen. And Hosea feels this. This pain in his heart. I said, what? no, no, no. This is a happy day. Why, why, why do I feel awful? Why, why am I miserable? Come on, my life's about to get good. Don't, why, why does my heart hurt so much? Why am I broken? I want this to go away. And in the midst of all this happiness, his broken heart tells him, you're longing for the woman that you love. No, no, I'm, this can't be right. I, 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 I want to be gone with her mess. I want to I wanna let it all go. But inside, I really love her. I really love her. And there's nothing about her I should love. What, what's going on here? And at this moment, God comes down and sits beside Hosea and says in chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord said to me, go and show your love to your wife again. Oh, she's been loved by another man and she's, she's an adulteress. She's done terrible things. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Love her just like God loves you, like God loves me. Even though and she turned to other gods and they go out there and love and eat their raisin cakes and all kinds of mess, we're still going to love her. And there's this moment where God and Hosea are just sitting down together and God's got his arm around him and says, my son, I know just how you feel. Because I love my people so much. I love all the people I created so, so much. And my heart just longs for them all the time. And I really want them to, to feel my love and, and take care of them. But sometimes they just do terrible things. They walk away from me and they, they violate my creation. And it breaks my heart. And then sometimes I feel I'd be better off without them. But I, I just love them so, so much. I can't help but love them and in the midst of this crazy story that doesn't seem to make any sense all of a sudden in this moment it comes into perfect view as we say this is not the Hosea Gomer story this is a us and God story because we're the Gomer and God's love is always unconditional and in the midst of this what we take away from all this craziness is God loves you God loves you God loves you. And here's what's wild. He doesn't love you because you're wonderful. He doesn't love you because he's judged that you've done great things. He loves you because of who he is. He loves you because God is love and he created you and he purchased you and he wants you and he is fiercely going after you. God looks to you and declares, I love you. I love you so much. I love you more than you can imagine. I want to take care of you. I want to protect you and provide for you. And I want you to love me in return. Brothers and sisters, I, I got to tell you, I am unworthy of God's love. 
I am so unworthy. I, I have to stand before you and declare I'm a sinful person. I have done terrible things. I have looked at God's creation, people that I was supposed to lift up and elevate. I've used them for my pleasure. I've used them for my profit. I've used them to, to feel better about myself. We've all done this. And just because we've all done it doesn't make it okay. Because that was God's child that we have bullied. God's people we have lied to. God's people we have manipulated. God's people we were told to lift up and we tore down. God's mouth that was supposed to speak truth and we spoke lies. God's people we have denigrated. We're unworthy. We're so unworthy of God's love for us. And in the midst of all this craziness, and in my own fear, my own life, where I've looked at my sin, and I say, I can't even go in God's presence, because it is too terrible for such a sinful man to go to such a loving God. I shouldn't do it. I'm not worthy. I don't belong there. And yet still, this holy God beckons us in and says, I love you. I love you. I love you. Not because of what you have done, but because of who I am and what I've done for you. It's wild, it's absolutely crazy, it doesn't make any sense. And in the midst of all this craziness and sitting down with, with God and Hosea, Hosea does this crazy thing. He goes out and redeems his beloved. It says in verse two, and this to me is, is one of the greatest verses in scripture. It really brings it home. Hosea says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lathic of barley. Now, this is a gem that requires a little polishing. We need to break down the good stuff inside here. A human life was generally redeemed for 30 pieces of silver. This is why Judas sells out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. A life is considered worth 30 pieces of silver. So for Hosea to bail out Gomer, he needed 30 pieces of silver. And you can just imagine him going around the town, begging and borrowing and stealing, and please help me out, please help me out. Come on, guys. And like, Are you crazy, dude? This is the best thing that ever happened to you? Leave Gomer alone. Don't go back to that mess. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. And people are saying, Hosea, bro, how can you love someone like that? And Hosea says, the real question is, how can God love someone like me? And after all this stuff, and all begging, and just being ridiculous, and people are judging him so much, he gets it all together, and it's 15 pieces of silver. It's not enough. It's not enough. I don't have enough, so what does he do? This Homer and Lethic of barley. Now, in those days, brothers and sisters, when you were, like, in the winter months, you couldn't just run down to Walmart and get your groceries. You had to spend the, the harvesting season not just getting your harvest for right now, but preparing the entire winter long with stores so that you could survive the harsh winter. What was this Homer and Lethic of Barley? This was Hosea's supplies to survive the winter. He's not just getting a couple of extra loaves of bread here. He's saying, this is everything I have. I'm going to risk starvation. I'm not going to eat this winter. I'm, I'm, I might even die. But I am so in love with Gomer that I'm willing to give everything I have, including potentially my own life, just to redeem her, just to win her back. This weird verse is possibly one of the greatest expressions of God's love for us in the entire scriptures. I bought her for 15 shekels of silver, about a homer and a lethic of barley. You know, I just can see the moment where, like, God was in heaven, and, and, and the angels were saying, oh, God, 
Please be done with Patrick. Be done with humanity. They're just nothing but a mess. Good riddance to them. They're in slavery to sin and to death and to the devil. You know, we're, God, we're better off without them. Let's just go make a new one. Don't worry about Michael. He's going to go in Sodom and Gomorrah, those guys. That will be great. And we'll create a new planet. We'll make them way dumber and way more obedient. And we won't let them invent television. That's going to sort a lot of problems out. Okay, God, just forget those guys. Leave them in their slavery. We're going to go over here and start again. Those guys have done nothing but hurt you, God. Just walk away. Just walk away. And God looks at you and says, but I love you so, so much. Whatever you've done, I love you so much. And I'm going to redeem you out of slavery, and I don't care what it costs. And God goes through heaven, and he gets all the riches and the golden bricks and the trees and, and the, the, the pearly gates, and he said, can I trade this for humanity? And it's not enough. It's not enough. And after the, the, the riches of heaven are emptied out, there's one thing left. His only begotten son. The thing that is the most precious and wonderful thing. The, the strongest love that exists in the universe and the unity and the power of God the Father and God the Son. And he's perfect. And he's done nothing wrong. And he doesn't deserve this. And God the Father brings out Jesus and says, now is it enough? And it is done. It is finished. And Romans 5, 6 tells us, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, when we were in slavery, when we had nowhere else to go, Christ died for the ungodly, for me, for you. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though the, a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were in slavery, Christ died for us. We were that 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley, everything he had. It, it, in Japan, where we, we share the gospel, people are, are under such heavy judgment. It's got probably the highest suicide rate in the world, but particularly it's got the highest suicide rate among teenagers. And one of the reasons for that is at around 13, 14, the uh, kids take these tests and they determine what high school they get into and what high school you get into determines what college you get into, which determines what job you're going to have. And it's hard because, I mean, you know, teenagers fail tests sometimes. It's a lot of that in a few days of their life, their totality is of their academic career is decided. And people say, this is all that matters. You need to do this. You need to step it up. You need to get this moment. If you don't get this, nothing else matters. Life is over. You're not going to achieve anything. Oh, everything depends on these tests. And we're going to judge you and base everything about you on how you do when you're 14 years old in some stupid test. And when they fail, like kids fail tests, well, that's it. What are you going to do with your life now? Because your value is in, your, in how much money you have or how, what education you have or how good looking you are or how well connected you are. You've got none of those things. So what value do you have anymore? And in this crazy hopelessness, so many kids choose to end their lives. This, this is so weird for me to say, and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. But in Japan, there are fashionable places to commit suicide, like the place to go. It's weird, but it's true. And one of those places is called the Akiyagara Forest. And it's a horrible place because when you step in, even if it's a forest, it's completely silent. Underneath it are these caverns that absorb the sound and you can hear your heartbeat. It's 
oppressively silent. And I just in this place, and you're thinking, this is what Japan is like, because there's, there's silence of God's love and silence of God's gospel. It crushes you, and you feel absolutely hopeless and just overwhelmed by the silence and the weight and the judgment in this place. But as you're stepping out of the forest, there's this sign, this old, dirty, rusty sign. And it says in English and Japanese, Isu Christu wa Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And I just love the person that wrote this, and I want to hug them because at this moment, they wanted them to know, please, before you step into eternal brokenness, before you step into eternal hopelessness, before you step into eternal judgment, please know Jesus loves you. God loves you. He's given so much for you. Please know you have value. Please know, know that, that God has poured out everything, that he's purchased you. He's, he's poured out 15 silver, and he's poured out the barley, and he's poured out his blood, and what Whatever the world tells you, you are loved by God. Please know this. Please know this. Please know this. My call for us today, brothers and sisters, is for us to start to take off the world's judgment and lies about us. Start to shake it off. Start to get rid of it and start to say, I'm not going to take your, your shame anymore because it does weigh on you. I know some of us, we, we might have been out of high school 30 years, and you can still remember words bullies spoke to you all those years ago. You might, you might be way an adult, and you can remember parents putting you down. And you can remember nasty looks you get from people. And you can remember looking at these celebrities and thinking, why is my life not look like that? Why do I, I don't have this value? Let's shake it off. Let's take off those burdens. Let's take off the world's judgment. Get rid of it. Be done with it. And it might say, no, but I'm important. I matter. But it's got no authority over our life. You know, there was a worker for the Department of Agriculture. And he was in this area and he was inspecting all the farmer's fields. And he went into a certain farm and he said, well, I'm here to inspect the fields. And the farmer said, okay, you can go in the north field, the east field, and the south field, but don't go in the west field. And this government worker became indignant. And he said, you see this badge? You see this badge right here? This badge gives me authority. This badge says I'm important. And this badge says I can go wherever I want to go. So you're not going to tell me where I'm going. I'll go where I like because of this badge. The farmer peacefully put up his hand and said, okay. So yeah, that's right. And he walks into the west field. And he starts looking around. And all of a sudden, there's a giant bull that starts charging towards him. And as this poor man's running away, the farmer's over at the side saying, show him your badge. Show him your badge. Show him your badge. You see, here's the thing. For too long, Christians have allowed the world's value, the world's authority to speak into our value. We've allowed the world's judgment to tell us what we're worth. We've allowed the world to tell us we've got, we've got our values got to be better looking or to have more money. Or our sin is going to tear us down. But here's what we get to tell the world. Here's what we get to tell the liar on his badge. Yeah, you want to walk around here? Well, I invite you to go into my heart. Go into the West Field. And in that field, there's a wild animal. And he is a lion. He's the lion of Judah. And he is fierce. And he is unstoppable. And he's got fire in his mouth. And that fire is an all-consuming, non-stopping, powerful, unconditional love for me. And if you dare step into his presence with your lies and your judgment, he is going to burn you up. He is going to take you down. You and your stupid badge. <laughs> Man, our God is good. No more are we going to live under this judgment. 
You know, we've got to just shake off all the things the world tells us we have to be and just be okay with being a love child of God. The other day, I was, I was talking to this lady, and uh, she was just, I'm so ugly. I'm so, so ugly. I don't even let my husband touch me because I'm so gross. I said, has your husband said anything? He said, no, he's, he's so good, and he's so encouraging, but I know I don't look as good looking as these other women. I said, what other women? Which, which women are you talking about? And, and she t- went on her phone. She took out a picture. And you, you know the kind of like big old lips and eyelashes and everything. I was like, okay, okay. Well, and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this home, and I want you to show it to your husband and ask what he thinks. I said, okay. And she brings this picture home to her husband. He looks at it and said, what's wrong with her? She looks like she's had an allergic reaction to a bee sting. <laughs> and he just looks at her and said, but you're so beautiful. I love you. And it all just fell away. Because all she was doing for so long was carrying this weight that I'm supposed to look like this to be loved. I'm supposed to look like something the world told me I'm supposed to be. And here it was, she was never called to be that. We've never been called to be perfect. We've never been called to be, to, to be what the world tells us to be. We're never supposed to fit into that standard. And when we do, it crushes us because we'll never be good enough for the foul world's judgments. But we step into the love of God, and he says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Our call today, shake off the dirt. Shake off the world's junk and its lies and its standards. And you know what? You can just get up and say, you know what, world? Shut up. Shut up. I am done with you. I'm done listening to you because my value is not based on my performance. My value is based on the fact that Christ died for me, that the Spirit lives in me, and God loves me. That's where I find it. That's where my value is. That's where my reality is. And I am going to live in the good and the glorious, wonderful love of God. And Hosea's got this wonderful final verses here. Um, Hosea 2. 21, in that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. Oh, you know when God's going to respond, it's going to be good. And reaction from God is powerful. God says, I'm going to respond to the skies. I'm going to tell the skies to respond to the earth. And the earth will respond. The earth is going to move, and grain, and new wine, and olive oil are going to respond to Jezreel. Those guys are throughout. And I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my love. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And I will say to those, you are my God. Let's say it together. You are my God. God. And finally say it, God loves me. I was, let's do it on three, okay? One, two, three. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. A sinful world will always judge you for not being perfect, but a perfect God will always love you because that's who he is. It is so good to walk in the goodness and the glory and the wonder of the love of God. We shake off the junk and we step into worship and step into the word and declare, I'm loved by God. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your powerful agape love that cries out every day without condition, without restraint. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you for the 15 shekels and the homer and lethic of barley. 
Thank you for your unstoppable, ever-pursuing, mighty, powerful love. Lord God, help us to just peel off the junk and the judgment of this world and step into the reality. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. I might be a gomer, but you are a Hosea. And you save us. And you pull me out of slavery. And you bring me into your home. And you put a ring on my finger and a feast before me and a place before my enemies. And you say, come sit with me, my beloved. God loves me. And God, as best as I can for the rest of my life, I'm going to love you in return. For you are my God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.